first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Okay, so go ahead and introduce yourself. So I'm uh, Sam Preble. Some of you may know me as Waterholic. I am the creative director behind Turbo Overkill, which is a coming up, up and coming first person shooter uh, for PC. Actually, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what platforms it's for at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely going to be on PC. I'm super fucking stoked to have you back on the show, man. Like it's been a long, long time. Like, I don't even remember what episode number it was, but it was fairly early on. Like when I was just getting kind of getting started and you were on for total chaos at that point and i didn't i didn't have any idea what we were going to be getting into from then to now hmm. so can you just kind of give us the uh the, the short idea of what turbo turbo, turbo overkill is <laughs> yeah so i started the project back in 2019 and i set out to make I suppose, a game of my dreams. I know that sounds cliche, but I've been making games for quite a long time. And for some reason, I never got around to making a fir- like an ultra-violent first-person shooter, which is the kind of game I want to play. So I set out just no plan at all, just make whatever. I just went ahead and made whatever I thought was fun. Um, I mean, even the idea of having a... So so basically in Turbo, you, you play as a guy, a cyborg, who has a leg for a chainsaw. Um, and it's set in it's a, a... chainsaw for a leg. Chainsaw for a leg, yeah. <laughs> so, that would be so fucking funny, though. <laughs> a leg for... Ch- <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah, so you play as a cyborg who has a chainsaw for a leg, and it's set in a cyberpunk dystopian where a computer virus has started wreaking havoc and taking over the citizens that, or the other cyborgs that live in the city that you inhabit. Um, originally, yeah, I started back on the project in 2019 and I just cobbled together you know, anything I thought that was fun. And about two or three months later, I had a basic prototype and I just went ahead from there. I mean, it's it's actually fucking awesome. Like I, I got the chance to play like a very very early build, um, which you you guys made me keep secret, <laughs> which was hard. Mm. I don't even know if you're like if I'm supposed to say that now. I guess it's okay. That's fine. But, <laughs> I mean, I had I had played your 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 earlier stuff. I loved Total Chaos, and we talked ad, ad nauseum about it. I, I have to be honest, like you were 
at that point in time, people would be like, uh, who's your you know favorite guest? And they're, they're probably expecting like, you know, one of, one of these people that everybody knows about. And I would always say like, I mean, it was either Loctar or Wadaholic. These are the two people that I've interviewed that I was just like so inspired by. And getting back to total chaos here, or not, fuck, I'm going to do this all night long. Don't <laughs> worry. Getting back to turbo overkill here. I, uh, immediately upon playing it, I was like, this is going to be fucking awesome. This is going to be like game changing. And then ultra kill kind of came out at the same time or kind of came into the public face around the same time that I saw this game for the first time. And this was like the mark of a, what I consider kind of a new era in boomer shooters. And and it went two different ways. And we had the, the kind of MSIM resurgence. And then we also had this sort of more, uh, still not high fidelity. I mean, these are still super, super, you know, retro looking games. Mm-hmm. But we moved from the, the dooms and the, the quakes into the more PlayStation one era, mm-hmm. you know, like more uh, dynamic movement, a little bit more devil may cry, and what like what made you kind of decide that these are the things that I'm going to do to add on to it? Because it would have been really easy to just I mean, you, you're already the fucking top notch head honcho at making doom shit. <laughs> um, so it feels like it would have been easy to just make a, a boomer shooter really quick and painlessly, but you didn't. Yeah, as always, went above and beyond. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I'm honored that like yeah, I'm one of your top guests. Um. I mean, this is definitely the, you know, one of the best podcasts I've ever done. So, um, but with, uh, yeah, when I start to be the team, <laughs> when I, um, yeah, when I started the project, I it originally was just going to be another. Um, I, I put all these walls in place, these arbitrary walls, where I would say I'm going to make a boomer shooter. It's going to have as many weapons, as many episodes going to be, you know, try and stay as close to the Doom formula as much as I could. Um, and I ended up getting an episode out of it, like a, a full eight or nine levels um, as a demo. And when I played it, I was like, you know, this this doesn't really do a lot to stand out from other games out there, which are doing, you know, bloody amazing things. Um, and I felt like if I didn't go back to the drawing board and, you know, rethink a few mechanics, to try and make... Turbo Overkill its own game rather than trying to make it fit a certain rule set to be a boomer shooter. Um, I felt if I didn't do that, I was just going to get buried pretty quick. Um, Mm -hmm. So I spent most of last year going back and just refining a lot of the gameplay mechanics and trying to to make it a bit more, trying to make it have more of its own identity, but at the same time, not stray too far from being what, inspired it in the first place which is a you know a retro boomer shooter um yeah i agree hmm. i mean we're in a weird kind of moment where i mean who would have ever thought that the market for boomer shooters would be oversaturated like if you asked three years ago i was clamoring you know trying to find more games like this and now it's like uh i'm getting hit left and right all the Mm -hmm. time it's like dodging meteors in star wars or something yeah, there's there's so many coming out. Um, I mean, especially, um, you know, like seeing last year during Realms Deep, how many boomer shooters were coming up. It's it's there's some. It's going to be a good time, I think, coming up for boomer shooters. It it's like 
it's gotten to a point now where you you can't just like put one out and you know say you know like dusk or whatever and then everybody's just gonna go fucking crazy i mean there, there's definitely still your e1m1 magazine zach murphy's of the world hmm. uh who are gonna play every single game like this because they just can't get enough but you know ultimately there's a market and people are gonna decide you know okay well, that's worth my time that's not worth my time what's worth my money all that sort of thing and uh You've got to stand out. You've got to be different, hmm. and your game is truly, truly fucking different, man. This is there's nothing else like it um, at all. I mean, the, the closest comparison you could make would be something like Ultra Kill, but even then, there, it's so they're still so different and so special. Each hmm. of them has their own uh, graphic style, and for for Turbo Overkill in particular, you really did a number on making the the environment feel very real and, and just totally not something you see anymore. And I, I'm sure you can kind of elaborate on what your inspirations were artistically. But I mean, the first thing I think that you and I talked about when you sent me the picture of the TV head and I was like, is this uh from saga? And then you were like, no, I've never even seen that before. <laughs> but cause saga was a comic book that I really liked when I was you know, a teenager. Yeah. I um I only just discovered recently there is a comic book series about a guy who has like all four of his limbs are chainsaws and he has a head for a chainsaw. Like I never noticed that existed until um, recently. Um, yeah, I fun, funny thing with the uh, visual style of the game. But originally, originally I was trying to you know going back to trying to keep it more close to Doom. Like mm-hmm. I originally said, I don't want any crazy lighting effects. I don't want, you know, real-time reflections or any of that. I want to keep it flat lit. has to, you know, be pixelated. It has to look like something from the 90s. But, um, I mean, it's really hard to do a rainy cyberpunk environment without, you know, reflections on the ground. Like, that was one of the yeah. things that drove me to stray a bit forward, stray a bit further from the source material and make it look like its own thing. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like inspirations, like Blade Runner is probably one of the biggest, the most obvious, uh, visual inspirations for it. Yeah, I was talking to Revel the other day who's making Sprawl hmm. and we really got into the weeds with, you know, what, uh, what makes cyberpunk cyberpunk and, and, and there's actually from his, you know, his point of view. And I think he's right very different ways you could go about it because there is that sort of Blade Runner aesthetic. And then I think his game is more like uh, ghost in a shell, kind of that, you know, Japanese anime Akira hmm. sort of thing. Um, I could definitely see the Blade Runner in Turbo Overkill so far, but you also have like this wacky, you know, graffiti art, like it, it's like skateboard esque. And it just really, I mean, it gives me, you know, Tony Hawk vibes or whatever, like that, that's kind of, it's the era of gaming that I think this kind of game uh, recaptures anyway. Mm. It it's, feels like, uh, you know, we're, sh- you and I are both showing our age a bit, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it does feel like a, like a nineties kid, like an early two thousands kid mm. coming up in that era sort of game. Yeah. There's a bit of, um, I unintentionally put a bit of Saturday morning cartoon in there just because I wanted yeah. something to, offset the extreme graphic violence and try and make it a bit more comical because i mean they can't i didn't want to do if i was going to make something really gory i didn't want it to be serious it had to be you know silly looking characters 
um, you know, really vibrant colors, like something that looks like sort of like edges along the border of being a cartoon and being realistic. Yeah, I definitely, it was very unintentional, but I knew, um, it was actually, yeah, so it does look quite comical, not only because like I wanted it to look a bit, you know, distance itself from being too violent, but also like, um, a few of those principles from like the earlier dooms is like, you know, you look at a lot of the uh, enemies from the first doom and they are quite colorful themselves and it actually does help them stand out from the environment quite a bit. So like, you know, when you see an enemy, you know what you're shooting at pretty quick. Um, it's, it's almost like a surrealist kind of thing. It, none of this stuff makes any fucking sense. <laughs> you have to you know kind of create your own logic and i think that's Mm. another thing that kind of harkens back to that time in gaming because now people even you know even doom people are starting to like act like they need to prod and probe the logic i mean i I even had the visceral reaction of like why the fuck am i like swinging on these weird golden (laughs) uh pull-up bars that the demons from hell just happen to have sitting around for doom guy to attack and i get that because I, i think that the further we go uh, graphically, the more realistic something looks, then the more realistic naturally, for some reason, people want it to feel. Mm. Um, but games of the time that we both hearken back to, I think that you didn't expect, you didn't even expect that, you know, you just expected it to somehow make its own internal sense. And then you would just learn that and then go forward with it. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of right in that middle ground where, you know, I expect a gun to shoot an enemy and blow it up, but you know, I don't need it to be like a. Oh, if I if I shoot a rocket at this thing, it should explode because that's what rockets do. It's like, nah, it takes a little bit. It takes time. There's an internal logic to yeah. how you're supposed to fight with these enemies, and in, in your case, you've got a guy like, you know, <laughs> grinding around on the ground with a chainsaw leg and stuff, and mm-hmm. you can do these wacky slides and really play with the uh, the physics, and that's one of the coolest parts of this whole thing. Yeah, I um I definitely wanted to it was really important for me to make sure that like anything that goes in a game has to be fun and like if I have to go over the top with the gore or if I have to go over the top with the visual effects to add to that, then I'm happy to do that, even if it's to an unrealistic extent. Like there's a funny thing where if you're chainsaw sliding on the ground and you look down at your torso, like you can actually do a full three sixty degree turn. And I mean realistically any human cannot do that, but then I'm kind of like just saying, well, he's a cyborg, so maybe he has like a robotic pelvis, so he can kind of get away with doing like full 360 degree turns while sliding in one direction. Dude, I wish I had a robotic pelvis. My <laughs> life would be far, far happier. <laughs> I think everybody dreams of having a robotic pelvis. Relationship goals. <laughs> no, it, it is weird, but I think that's why it's at least why i play video games i don't want to be in a fucking simulator Uh, i mean i know that that's a huge thing people like that but even with you know shooting games i don't particularly gravitate towards you know uh, military simulators Mm -hmm. or anything that feels super realistic because i'm trying to escape the real world i'm trying to do stuff that i couldn't do and that's that's so fun even dusk had that you know um in dusk world people would really exploit it where you could do the full 360 rotation mm. which makes no fucking sense but it was really cool yeah right. and then you end up with these awesome uh videos with brando who had mastered the art of standing upside down and killing people or doing a <laughs> he would do like a 180 <laughs> shot 
but he would actually do it by going on the Y axis or sorry. Yeah. Y axis mm. <laughs> instead of turning around left and right. Yeah. I'll definitely any day I would take something that's more fun over realism. Um, that's for sure. I'm, I'm at Z axis. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, oh, it depends what engine you're talking about. Cause unity. Oh uh, yeah. No, that's with unity too. So wow. Un- yeah. Uncapped Y axis rotation. I think that's what. All right. Well, I was right by accident. Cool. I think Z axis will be like, if you were to roll the camera on its side. Actually, I can't remember. I, I don't understand Quetonians and I, I probably shouldn't pretend to understand them. <laughs> Uh, I'm no mathematician, so we'll just leave it at that. I'm pretty sure the person who invented Quetonians doesn't know what it, how it works. It's, uh, I'm, I'm probably not even saying it right, to be honest. But, you know, that's one of the many things that you can kind of play with and experiment with and find new ways to make shooters different and fun. Mm-hmm. And you've really gone the extra mile because, like I said earlier, you you don't have to. You didn't have to. You could have just made a really visceral, badass look. I mean, your game already looks better than most other things uh, in this particular market. It's It's got its own unique art style. Like, playing around too much with the physics is not a requirement, mm. but when you do it, I think that's what makes it go from, you know, being a game that sells a bit, you know, to something that people go fucking apeshit over. Like, this is amazing, and... And I think that that's going to be the case when you finally hit the market with this thing. What are you like? Cause you, you came public with it early on and then you went dark for a bit and then you've recently kind of come back into the limelight to, to show off the game. And I get that you had to go into the editing cave and figure some shit out. But mm. Like, yeah, there appears to be no strategy at hand for marketing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, um, yeah, I didn't really go in with a plan on how I was going to market this. So, um, so yeah, like at first, um, I think it was way, way back in 2018. It might have been 2018. Yeah, I put out a couple of videos on Twitter. Um, and then, yeah, there wasn't really much to report on back then. I, I put my head down and worked on a build for the game. Like what what, what I think would be a good early access slice something that is basically one of three episodes because you know i was trying to follow the doom formula from the first game where you have three episodes and you put the first one out of shareware um but by the time i put that together and i played it it just didn't feel that good and it wasn't you know it wasn't what i imagined it being so i basically yeah i put my head down for another year i released the odd clip here and there um but i didn't feel that I wanted to show it off until I knew I was heading in the right direction and I knew what I had was what I wanted to be close to what the final game is. And that's when I started, you know, putting a few videos out every now and then at the beginning of this year and then eventually, you know, just putting out a full gameplay video. Um, it's been it's been something I've wanted to do for so long, but I just haven't felt like the game was ready to show people. Um, and now I feel that it's starting to... You know, I mean, I, I put the video out. I wasn't expecting the reaction that it got. Um, it's been really humbling to see that it's resonated with a lot of people, well, a lot more people yeah, than you, I could ever imagine. You put out the one teaser, you know, with the the sort of 
Evil Dead, you know, groovy shit at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, it's funny. You, know, you got to like a thousand Twitter followers mm. in no time. It was crazy. It's, it's funny. I actually never watched any. I never watched Evil Dead. I never watched uh, Ash versus Evil Dead or any of that stuff until like the beginning of last year. And after I watched the series, I was like, holy shit, I, this will make a really cool trailer. Like, just copy it, <laughs> copying that exact scene from Evil Dead 2 where he gets a shotgun on his arm and he says groovy. Sorry, not yeah. the shotgun, the chainsaw on his arm. Ah, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, we just, we, we do like movie nights in the keep because, you know, we're, everybody's all fucking, well, we're not hanging out in real life. Let's watch movies together in Discord. Mm. And we watched The Evil Dead the other day because I had a few friends who had just literally never seen it. And I was taken aback. I'm like, how could you have gone this long? <laughs> yeah, I, I even told myself the same thing. Like, they say they seem like something I would have been really into 10 years ago. And I don't know why I didn't watch it until until now. Um, I mean, to me, they're like pro- prolific films. I just i absolutely love all three of them and i like the tv show as well mm. they're just so cool bruce campbell i mean hats off to him the greatest actor of all time it's a national league. treasure <laughs> he's he's a world treasure like we're when the aliens land i think we should probably send bruce campbell to meet them <laughs> i couldn't think of a better envoy for earth that that is interesting so you like literally copy that scene but it just hit so hard and it really, it, it was a good moment to kind of show off the hook of the game, which is that, you know, you're this weird cyborg robot guy with chainsaw leg and people seem to have really fucking just like jumped right on that bandwagon. Like they didn't have any other context. It's just like, here's a video. <laughs> it's a game. It might be called something. And uh, then you left us hanging for fucking forever, man. Mm. I've been, you know, I, you and I have been like kind of talking back and forth in the background, but I've still just been like chomping at the bit. Like, when am I going to get to fucking <laughs> talk about this? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we can now talk about it. Um, I've been wanting to show you guys this for so long, so it's yeah, it's been quite an honor. And how many? I mean, how many hours are you pulling here? Because I mean, you have your day job as well, and then mm-hmm. you're coming home and making this. You, if I understand correctly, pretty much solo, like um, doing this whole thing for the most part. Like when I started out, I was solo, and I so I, I didn't have a job back when I started it, and mm-hmm. I would spend most of most of my day just working on the game. I'll just you know probably actually it's probably about half of my day every day working on the game. It was only by the end of la uh, by the end of 2019, I kind of ran out of money and I had to get another job. So. Since then, I've been doing it on the side after hours. Uh, but yeah, last year I had uh, Mike come on board, who's like a really super talented musician. You, you guys would know him as uh, Gribble Snap. Um, and he, so right now it's just him and I working on this thing. I mean, so you're not doing the music, but you're doing literally the entire other section of what <laughs> it is to make a game, which is most of it. Hmm. Yeah, okay. all the all the programming, all the level design, um, all the art. Which, I mean, you, the good thing about the art is being pixelated. I can get away with so much inconsistency and mm-hmm. in the artwork I put out. Um, but at the same time, it is a really hard thing to get right. Like, I mean, try like I you know, 
the problem I had at the beginning was I put so much art in the game and I'd have a pixelation filter over it that most of the time I'd play it, I wouldn't be able to tell what was going on because it was just basically a mess of pixels. So there's, I mean, I say it's easy, but it actually hasn't been easy because I've, I've had to go back and refine stuff so much just to make it more, you know, give it more visual clarity so people know what's happening when they're zipping around on, you know, with the chainsaw leg. Um, but yeah, it's just been, just been Mike and I at the moment working on this. It's like, it sounds like too much work. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I lose track of how much, how much time I spend on it. <laughs> are, you, are you a bit of a control freak though? Like everything kind of, would you be disappointed if you were trying to have a different artist or whatever that couldn't fully capture your vision? Um, I mean, yeah, when I'm when I'm working on my own stuff, I turn into quite a perfectionist. But whenever I see somebody else put something in, I'm like, you know, they give me a demo and I'm like, yeah, this is freaking amazing. Stick it in. And they're like, you know, this isn't the final artwork. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's good enough. Um, I mean, when it's my work, I get pretty like antsy about it. But when it's other people's stuff, it's usually I'm, I'm pretty easy to impress most of the time. <laughs> it's it is funny. Like I, I talk to, you know, lots of people like you, crazy creative types. And th- there's something that's far more motivating about, you know, when you know it's your thing and it's your name on it and you're uh, really just invested in what it's going to be. Mm. It's kind of like owning your own business. I mean, it actually will be at some point when you start selling this thing, but there's, there's uh, a lot more incentive to work when you feel like you're, you, you depend on it. Mm. And and if you're part of a team, there's nothing wrong with being part of a team, but there's always the chance that someone's not, you know, fully wholeheartedly into it because, you know, it's not their vision. Mm. They're just, you know, a hired gun. And I can, I can kind of relate in the keep is very much like my baby. And my, my, I tried to have this creative vision of what it was going to be and everything, but then I had got to a point where it was too big and I can't handle it on my own. And mm. luckily, you know, everybody who helps out are, you know, 100% all in, you know, people who were into it before <laughs> they had any reason to be into it. Mm. So. Yeah. It's, um, I totally agree. It is hard to, I had the same problem on total chaos. Uh, I had, there were a lot of people that would come and go quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it is hard to, find the incentive when it's not you know your baby um which is why you know whenever i work with people in that situation i'm always quite open to letting them have their own interpretation of what something should be rather than me you know micromanaging them and telling them how stuff should be done like um with the music ribble snaps done like everything he's given me i just you know i love it it sounds amazing i I don't i don't want to go back and tell him to change something he's happy with just uh you know because i I'm getting too precious about it. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's been a hard thing to learn. Um, and I did learn a lot over the course of total chaos that, um, I, you know, it's definitely helped me out with, the, with this project. I, I don't really suffer from that problem. Like, I, I'm very comfortable with just recognizing people's talents and, saying like you do what you do best Hmm. and then that almost gets to a point where it's like you know they need more guidance or they want more guidance and i'm just like 
no, nah, just go fucking crazy. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so, I, I, I trust you. I respect that you're good at what you do. And I like, I'm not, I mean, I'm a musician, but I'm not making music for games. So like, I'm not going to tell someone how it ought to be because mm. they're the expert and I'm not, I do the same thing when I go get my haircut and like, they'll be like, well, what, what kind of haircut do you want? I'm just <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Go fucking nuts. Like, <laughs> just make, make me look good in your opinion. My head's your canvas. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, you're a professional, do your fucking job. <laughs> you can't tell that to people though when you're when you're not paying them. That's the only thing. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. I'm not saying like do your fucking job, like, you know, get to work, asshole. I'm saying like yeah, yeah. I, I who am I to tell you how to do it? Mm. You know. Just I could sit here and micromanage and try to act like I know what I'm talking about, but at the end of the day, uh you know, I don't know much more about hair terminology than like a fade mm. you know, or, or a flat top. And I don't want either of those. I, don't, I can't even visualize the numbers. They say, it's like, oh, do you want a four? And I'm like, um, uh, I think it's this long. Sure. Okay. <laughs> a little off the top, man. A little off the top. Yeah. yeah. I, I just go in and say, tidy it up. I, whatever that means. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I just find it very difficult to tell someone how to do their art. And I don't Mm. like it when people do that to me, right? When I'm doing my job and someone stands over my shoulder meticulously pulling it apart. Like granted, I do want, you know, constructive criticism. I Mm. think everybody should want that. I just don't want someone to act like they know better than me, how I should do what I do. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Unless they do, unless they're, you know, a senior person in that particular position, whatever that happens to be, that could mean anything. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is, I find it's important to not address everything, but definitely take it on board because I've been in situations where I would, I would uh, silo myself, I'd isolate myself on a single piece of work and I'll be working on it for so long that I wouldn't know, even I wouldn't know if it's good or bad until I actually (laughs) show it to someone. Um, Yeah. But at the same time, you can't, you can't really always take on opinions or advice from other people like you can keep it in the back of your mind but i mean at the end of the day you you can't you can't please everyone i mean art is a very subjective thing and it's uh i in my experience i find it very random on what i make if it if it hits or if it doesn't hit like i could work really hard on something i'm really happy about and proud about and then i show it to people and like nobody gives a shit about it they give a shit about this thing that I spent five minutes on in the corner. I mean, but regardless, you just got to find your people, right? Like there's got to be a certain extent to just decide I'm going to commit to this particular thing and then seek out the people who were into it. Mm. I mean, if you were just take turbo overkill, you know, to a, (laughs) a group of people who are very much into like super realistic graphics. And they were just like, a, have you considered doing like, you know, far better graphics like they're, they're not missing the point <laughs> they're not that's not your audience of people you want to listen to or like who have anything mm. to really contribute necessarily to what you're attempting to do yeah no you, you're totally right um yeah which is why like I'm, i've been fortunate like mike is quite into the whole well i haven't actually asked him but i'm pretty sure he's quite into the whole you know nd retro shooter thing so but yeah, I'm actually kind of bewildered by people who work together 
on things that uh, for a long time and like don't know much about each other like that it never even comes up to like get to know very <laughs> simple details like i don't know if he even likes this kind of game <laughs> uh i had that experience when i call Ragnar guys first came on the show and the the sound design guy and the main developer this is ben and damian had never seen each other before hmm. like they'd never got like they've been working together for like a few years and have never gotten on a webcam and just said like, Hey, you know, like this is me. And like, let's just spend a day hanging out instead of doing, doing the thing. Mm. Um, yeah. There's actually, um, I, I make a point to do that with everyone. There's, if I can, do you, so there's a guy in the doom community, uh, the Mr. Cat. He was one of the, yeah. uh, he did the, he coded the whole inventory system in the mod <clears throat> and did a few other bits and bobs, mostly on the code side, but, he he lives in the same city as me, and I, I haven't met him yet. Like I keep telling him, "Hey, we should go out for a beer," but it hasn't happened yet. So I will. I think uh, I was talking to him about this exact same subject. <laughs> like he's just like, "Yeah, I know Sam, kind of, but we never met. But we live in the same town." I'm just like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> I would be all over that. Yeah, I I think I'll I think I'll pick him this weekend. Get a drink. Do make it, actually make it happen this time. Patch me in on the phone. <laughs> Just have me like on one of those little, uh, like trolley iPod things yeah. or I- iPad things. Out of, uh, straight out of Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I Mr. Cat's awesome, dude. He's so talented. Yeah, he's, um, uh, yeah, he, the stuff he does is can be it's pretty breathtaking, especially his level design. Um, some of the worlds he's made is just, just fucking crazy. I mean fucking age of hell is going to wreck everybody's expectation of mm. <laughs> what can be done with the total conversion for doom. I, it's I've been definitely the most, one of the most impressive things I've seen come out of it. Um, I mean, it's a weird time because you were like, you broke down the barrier, essentially you and Sergeant Mark both really in two very different ways kind of broke everybody's minds about like what can this engine do and be and what can be created and what kinds of different things can we explore. Mm. And now I think a lot of the foundation that you guys laid down, you know, regardless of how anybody feels about either one of you or your mods, uh, it took a little while, but here we are. And some of the most impressive looking games, maybe ever, are being made in the doom engine in 2021 mm. it's so cool yeah i'm it's something i did not expect to see was how many indie games are coming you know that are coming up that have been made in the doom engine um mm-hmm. and there's some re- there was one i was looking at back i uh, can't remember the name now um uh there, there was one i saw recently on twitter which was like I, I think it was it was like it's very cyberpunk sci-fi um, yeah, I'm just I'm literally just naming off like what's the most impressive looking Doom mod right now. It had it was fully voice acted. It had you know subtitles yeah. and it, like it I looked colorful. Yeah, I looked at it. And I was like, there's no way it look. It looks like Fear, basically like a um like a Doom like Fear game. But mm-hmm. I was looking at it and I just this doesn't look like the Doom engine. And the amount of work that has gone into making this is 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 amazing. Like um, it just. I'm always surprised by the longevity of the Doom community and how popular it still is today. It, it always blows my mind. 
Saleco is like a particularly fantastic example of, and again, this, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but you, to me, were the one who broke this barrier of like, I can show you this game. And if I don't tell you it's doom, you would never, ever know. Mm. Right. And Saleco is kind of in that same wheelhouse where like, this doesn't look anything like anything I've ever seen a doom before. Mm. Um, which is so cool. I mean, it's, it's a testament to, Hey, this engine is still really cool and viable. And it's, you know, GZ doom at least is being constantly maintained and updated. It's, it's so impressive, Mm. but you're, you're too big for doom. Now you're, you're getting off into the unity world and (laughs) we'll see where you end up. Yeah. You you do like UE4 stuff as well. Like kind of in your. Yeah. So yeah, my jobs and my job is mostly, um, unreal engine. And my last job too, I was, I was using it. Um, I mainly stick to Unity because I prefer the the um, programming language and how quick you can get stuff made up. Um, but I'd always pick Unreal over, you know, if I wanted to make something really big and graphically impressive, like I I would probably do it in the Unreal Engine if I ever had more money and had a bigger team, of course. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's useful things about everything. It, it's all a matter of scope and what you prefer and how, how your workflow works. Mm. I won't, excuse me. I'm one of these people like I will purposefully not <laughs> learn a new thing just because like, well, I already know how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's going to dramatically slow down my workflow. If I have to learn something and, and people will be like, Oh dude, you got to switch to DaVinci, man. Mm. Like your current video editing software is just not the best thing. And I'm just like, yeah, but I know how to use it. I'm, I'm the same. Um, yeah. I mean, even with total chaos, there were new, there were new methods to do. Like you know, there was a new scripting language that came out, and I was like, I'm already halfway through programming this thing. I'm too scared to learn the new thing. I'll just stick to the old programming language um, instead of moving to because it's all Z script now, and it's so much more flexible than uh, what used to be there. Which was, uh, I can't remember the name of it now. It's been that long since I've touched it, but um. Yeah, I'm very much the same. I'll always stick to the tried and tested method rather than trying something that is probably, you know, three times quicker. Yeah, it's hard to kind of, I try to be as open-minded as I possibly can. You know, if somebody Mm. really, you know, that I trust really feels strongly about something, I will give it a shot, you know, but I I got to be efficient. And I think that's what it really comes down to is like, do, do the most efficient thing you can. The quickest route from point A to point B mm. is usually my method, um, which is and to be analogous about it. You, you say that you're like, I'm going to do what I know, you know, and stick to my guns and, and take that tried and true method. Mm. But you always end up taking that tried and true method and, and turning it into something that's just like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> you take the, the method of the, of making a boomer shooter and then you've turned it into total chaos mm. and, and then you turned it again into turbo overkill. Mm. And well, I, I guess total chaos really can be categorized as a boomer shooter, but whatever you took that engine and made it a survival horror game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, you probably could somehow play total chaos as a boomer shooter <laughs> somehow. <laughs> it would be very not not fun. <laughs> it might be rewarding if you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's been it's been so long since I've played it. Um, actually, I, I just opened it up 
last week to put in a bug fix and I opened up all the code and it's like I don't I don't recognize any of this anymore. I it's kind of sad. I don't think I'd ever go back to doing do mods again. As much as I love making them, it's just I don't there's already I, I feel like there's already a new generation of modders who can do way better than what anything I could do now. So I feel I'll stick yeah. stick to Unity for the time being. Maybe one day, you know, twenty years from now, when you're sitting in your mansion or on your yacht, and you're just like, you know, I, I want to just, I have some free time. I'm going to re- revisit that. I tried to talk Tim Willits into it. Hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, when he was on for Realms Deep last year, uh, I, you know, I brought up like, hey, you know, what? I, I know that you're on to bigger and better things and all that, but would you ever even consider just like sitting down and banging something, banging out a new um, I don't know level or a new le- pack of levels. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be fucking awesome? And it wouldn't, you know. But the the trouble with that is that Romero already did that, and mm-hmm. I don't think Tim Willits is in any way <laughs> interested in being compared like, any more than he has to be. I, I still need to play Romero's new maps. Sigil, uh, I mean, they're cool. I, I like them. It's one of those things where it's really cool because you know the granddaddy of them all has returned mm. and all that sort of thing. And it's visually very interesting. And of course the music is fantastic because it's Jimmy mm. and that's all fine and dandy. But as you said there, since the last time he published anything in doom, people have picked it up and gone way above and beyond with it. And mm. so if you're comparing sigil to other things that have built on this, you know, with a consistency for 25, 30 years or whatever, mm. Um, it's very hard to stand up to the test of time. But if you were to, you know, take me back to right after Doom released and Sigil were actually the next episode, which canonically, I guess it's supposed to be, then it would have been like, whoa, fuck, mm. come all over your face. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually might have some more time. I might have another uh, 20, an extra 15 minutes. Well, it's up to you, man. Do it however you want. I, I'm perfectly happy. We could do 42 minutes, or we could do four and a half hours, and it wouldn't make any difference to man, me. I, I, time in the world. If I had the time, I'd definitely do four and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, but I don't want to keep you. I don't want to keep you up too late. Actually, no way. So uh, I just woke up. You just, you just woke up. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I actually have a bunch of unreleased maps I want to put out, but I know that it's probably not worth putting them out because, I mean, like, I think they're... I, I like them, but I, there's already people that do way better stuff than me. Um, I mean, yeah, sure. There's no problem. It's not an issue, right? Like, you're, you're doing something else now. Hmm. And you, if you didn't... If you just you decided like I really got to stick to my uh, calling and every or whatever like there's nothing wrong with doing that and going in a different path and experimenting with something new and you were never gonna up until you know maybe the past couple of years I would have probably said well you're never gonna make any money as a doom modder anyway so mm. you might as well like <laughs> try something else but that you cut your teeth like that and now you're just punching in a whole different weight class. Mm. And that's, what's really cool. Cause even, even now with 
all of these cool games on the market that are built in Doom. And it's not really an expectation that these are going to be mind-blowingly badass, like awesome game changers in the industry. It's just going to be really cool for the community of people who are into this kind of Doom and Boomer Shooter world. Mm. Um, there, there's tears to that. I don't. I haven't really thought it through enough to go too deep on that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, You're the more the mer- now. the more the merrier. I mean, I I don't think yeah. I'm uh, I don't think I'm ever going to get sick of boomer shooters. I, I think they are still as relevant as they were, you know, twenty twenty years ago. Twenty, well, it's like twenty twenty five years ago. I got to get my math right. I can't say thirty years because I'm pretty sure there weren't any boomer shooters thirty years ago. <laughs> I think they're arguably more relevant now than mm. they were then. Not at the time, you know, these were, you know, triple a cutting edge games and everybody was playing them. Mm. I, I would have to like really dig into the numbers here. I think to fully understand it. But I think that nowadays you have the people who played them back then returning to it. And you also have a whole new generation mm. of people who are really interested in it. I mean, me included, I wasn't, I was a baby when in 1995 Mm. i was just born Mm. i think the thing that i that i love most about them is it just it just cuts the bullshit like it gets straight into the action it's the gameplay is focused around the core essence of what the game is it's not you know it's not surrounded by a bunch of extra mechanics that probably don't have to be there it's just the game and shooting monsters and if it feels amazing then that's probably all you need it's definitely all i need there's there's a place for all of it i try to get out of my comfort zone you know i was just uh testing out the early access for this game called it steers back mm. which is uh like it it's a rts rpg and i've never ever ever touched an rts before like i until this past couple of weeks mm. i never played starcraft have no idea how the mechanics work and i tried one game that i don't think i'm supposed to talk about yet and then i was like okay well i'm gonna try this it steers back game and kind of go into it and and after a bit you know it it was a learning curve but after you know maybe 30 minutes or so i got pretty comfortable and i'm still i'm happy to try something different and i do think there's a place for storytelling and there's a place for uh, just weird, crazy mechanics and stuff. You got to do experiments. It's like evolution, mm. you know, and we'll, we'll decide, you know, we'll see what te- stands the test of time. Mm. But and I also think that kind of makes me a little bit more, I feel like if I'm going to be doing all this commentary on games, I should be broadening my horizons from just like sticking straight to like, I'm only going to play one kind of game because mm. honestly, like I'm not saying I've gotten bored with boomer shooters, but it, it is a bit trying when I play, you know, I'm not always playing like the next best thing. I'm, I'm playing a lot of different stuff mm. that will, you know, some of it's going to stick and some of it's not. And that can be not very rewarding. Yeah. You know, that can be like, uh, so, I mean, to be honest, as a consumer, I, I want the best of the best. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. No, it is. I definitely agree. It's good to stretch out and try new things. Like I never, mm-hmm. I used, so yeah, I basically used to play nothing but shooters, but about five years ago, I was like, okay, I need to stretch out and try something different because I've like, I played everything. So I think like I played Dark Souls for the first time, something I completely didn't think I would get into. It's a complete polar opposite of 
anything I was interested in. But it's, you know, especially the first Dark Souls is one of my favorite games. It definitely something that helped inspire me to, you know, I tried injecting some of that into Total Chaos, you know, with the, the world design and the melee combat. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I really should probably stretch out more and try new things. Actually, I played Factorio recently. That uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a crazy game. It's it's so cool because when you get that different perspective, like if I can appreciate a little bit more about what these other genres that people feel really passionate about, like mm-hmm. a great example would be Dark Souls, right? Like there are so many shooter that are coming out that, you know, I asked the people like, well, you know, what are the inspirations? And they uh, hugely disproportionate amount would be like, yeah, it's very dark souls influence. And I didn't really fully understand that. And finally, uh, Vince Steele, who's a YouTube reviewer. He, he hit, hit me up with it. He's just like literally bought it for me. He's like, you have to play this. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to understand until you do. And now that I have, I have a whole different perspective on like what scumhead means when he says vomitorium is, you know, inspired by souls or, mm-hmm whatever so it's uh i think it's important to kind of not be totally tunnel vision yeah yeah definitely but uh so you're uh, this is a good transition i guess like what what are the things that sort of really influenced your ideas and uh, methods for creating turbo overkill um it's hard, it's hard to say really i i mean there's Obviously, there's the Doom influences, but um, yeah, it's it's yeah hard 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 to say really. I mean, I kind of just let it happen. Let it happen. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's something I've always wanted to do, and hmm, yeah. Well, the sliding mecha- the mechanics and Actually, the movement style was was that based on anything? Well, yeah. I, funnily enough, I was playing a lot of Titanfall two at the time. Uh, sorry, not Titanfall. I was playing a lot of Apex Legends, and I was like, okay, oh, yeah, okay. this me- uh, the sliding in this is, you know, the mechanically it just feels so good to slide around. Um, I was like, okay, what if I just pinch that and put some chainsaws on there? And that was originally how that mechanic started. Um, even something like the wall running. Uh, you know, basically from Titanfall 2. Um, it was basically, it kind of started out where I would just like, I would start making a shooter and I was like, okay, I like this mechanic from this game. I'll put it in, try and do my own spin on it. Um, so it's, yeah, a lot, a lot of mostly just shooter influences um, mashed together. That's, that's not, it's not a very good answer, is it? <laughs> it's fine. I'll, I'll just kind of like keep digging until I get what I want out of you. <laughs> did, did you have trouble because you would come up with these awesome ideas like, oh, I'd like to see what that works like looks like in this game and, mm. and just implement it. Did you have trouble like balancing it to make it feel appropriate? Yeah. Usually the first implementation of anything I do is quite messy. Um and I'd just been so I'd, you know, start working on it in a day and I'd be like, okay, what is how does it feel if I, you know, stick a grapple hook in the game? And I'll spend a good two or three hours getting the grapple hook in the game and then I'll test it and I'll be like, okay, is this a mechanic that's worth pursuing? And if it is, then I 
expect there's going to be a lot of refinement that's going to be happening. Like the, the movement mechanics in Turbo, I've been, I've been, so I got like a, a player movement and a player mouse look script that I've just been, every day I would go in and I'll tweak the numbers slightly because something doesn't feel right. And it's just been so much iteration on like a feature and like I will keep iterating until it, until it feels right. And if I feel it's feeling pretty good now, but yeah, everything I put in the game usually starts out. It's been, you know, been very messy. Um, and I feel like I'm always someone who's quite open to implementing new ideas. If I feel it's going to make the game better. I mean, obviously you get to a certain point of development and then you have to put, the brakes on and stop doing that because you know, then you're going to end up uh, ending up in scope creep territory. But uh, mm. yeah, early the early days of Turbo was just mainly throwing in as much shit as I can, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. Um, and yeah, I've just basically just took it from there. It's really interesting how it all sort of just kind of falls into place over time. Mm. The way you describe it, because some people really do just kind of find magic on accident, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, they're they're like just throw everything in there that I want and then don't do a lot of thinking about how it's gonna mesh together, but then like well let's just allow the player to kind of figure it out and see what works. But you're you I mean you're you're much more like a what's a, an extreme example I could give. You're like Da Vinci where you, like, you start off with, I'm going to paint a picture of a lady and then you end up, you know, all right, well, how many years has it been since you started painting that picture of that lady? And then mm. later on, it's like, you know, okay, well, I guess he was onto something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like the chainsaw leg mechanic, I, I literally just said, Oh, what happens if I put like a damage sphere on the feet of the player? And it kind of just evolved from there. back uh sam after a very short and not whole day long break (laughs) (laughs) so we left off yesterday and i had only played the super early pre-alpha demo and now i've only played the much newer and better version of the super early pre-alpha demo and i just wanted to take another 30 minutes or so and let's let's kind of dig into like the real gameplay here sounds good um so what what immediately stands out is like just in the past I mean how long ago was any gave me the first demo I mean, when I played it holy shit year yeah was it's, been a year I, I think so I can't remember which one it was um I mean this game has really just come, it's come so far and I just really really like it <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I uh so if I started out, the first thing I played was the the newer level, which is the one with the docks and ships and everything. Hmm. Is that the newer? Is that newer? Yeah, that's one of the latest ones that's been put together. Okay. Um, it's yeah. near the one of the ones near the beginning of the game. Uh, yeah. So I noticed like the demo actually skips level one, goes straight to two and three. Hmm. Um, and, and I was curious, is that? something you do often like you don't you don't work linearly you just kind of like um make the levels and so then see how they fit or yeah i mean i i sort of when i start out i just make whatever whatever i feel like and without any 
I mean, I have a rough idea in my head where I wanted to place in the game, but I would usually, I would usually juggle it around quite a bit. Um, they, I, I purposely, purposely saved the first level to last. Just uh, the wise words of John Romero, who says you should always leave it to the end when you, uh, when you're best at, you know, best at your ability to design levels. Um, so I've left that one till very late in the in the production, and I'll get back to that one. Still not sure what it is. I've, I've, I mean, I have had a tackle at it at making you know E one M one, but most of the time I make a level it just doesn't feel like a good introduction to the game. So I'll get I'll cross that bridge when I get to it, I guess. But um, yeah, it's most of the. I mean, when I started out, I, I kind of just kept making maps without any idea of where I'll, I'll place it in the game. Um, and I have remade maps quite a bit. Like, you know, I'd make a first iteration and wouldn't be happy with it. Trash the map, but I'd pick concepts that I like from the map and I'd redesign it into newer levels, um, which is sort of what I... That that one that you played, though, that was just all fresh, made up from scratch. Um a lot of the like the there's another level that was in that demo, which is the one the same one that's in the gameplay trailer. It's actually a complete redesign of a map that I made about a year and a half ago. And if you play it, it's a very similar layout, but it's not as uh, like the direction on where you're supposed to go isn't as cohesive as it is now. Which is something I a lesson I learned the very hard way. Like I just go straight in, make maps, and I play it. And I, like I'd know where to go, but you know I watched someone else play it, and they would get lost quite easily. That was a, a hard lesson to learn because uh, a lot of work ended up getting thrown out, unfortunately, as a consequence. I mean, the same thing happens in film, and you know, just anything. You can't make everything in order. I would assume. Hmm. That's like, do you did you ever watch Pokemon? Are you too old for that? Um, I watched. Uh, yeah. Watched the first couple of seasons of that. I was about, I think I was about eight or ten when it came out. Do you remember? There's an episode called. Uh, don't ask me why this one sticks out through the test of time, but there's an episode called "Go West, Young Meowth," and it's about Meowth learning how to talk. And he's <laughs> like a stray cat, and he goes to Hollywood, and he ends up in like a ballet studio and a, a <laughs> sexy, you know, girl Meowth, you know, is unimpressed by him because he's not sophisticated so he decides to learn english and, mm. and i then, vaguely remember that i remember the uh but, the um hollywood bit yeah that and that transfers into i believe the next episode or like maybe late in that episode either way it's on the same cassette tape that i have <laughs> and you know they're in hollywood and that that episode i believe transfers into like there being a film director and they're making a Pokemon movie. <laughs> and that that's the classic trope is he's like, oh, no, we're we're doing the big finale as mm. the very first scene that we shoot. <laughs> and that that's totally not uncommon. Like most mm. movies are not filmed in a linear sense at all. They just kind of cobble them together. Uh, yeah. In the movie The Guest, which is like my favorite movie ever, um, Dan Stevens, right? He is the star actor. And mm. he... If I if I remember correctly, he had just come off of Downton Abbey, and in Downton Abbey he had to be kind of fat, mm. you know. And in this movie, he needed to be buff as fuck. And then there's this one scene 
where he's like shirtless and he's got to be sexy as hell. And they were like, well, let's save that scene to the very end. <laughs> it, uh, it always makes uh, me wonder, like I rewatched the matrix recently. Um, and it makes me wonder. It's like, I, I just don't know. I can't remember if they actually shave Keanu's head for when he's outside of the matrix. Cause yeah. they would have had to I, shoot all of the stuff before, like in the matrix beforehand. Right. Or did they use I a wig? Bald captain. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I have to watch the behind the scenes of that again. It's been <laughs> a while. But anyway, your uh, your game has come a long way with the uh, with the enemies too. Hmm. Uh, I can't really seem to find anything that's changed about the core, you know, gameplay mechanics themselves. But you've you added the the shotgun that's got the uh, alt fire of basically being a grenade launcher that hmm. like, with sticky bombs. Yeah. And the the enemies themselves like have that's fucking awesome. Like the the really big giant dudes. Oh yeah. Um as opposed to in Doom or like Yeah. They're, they're motherfuckers. They can move. Holy shit. I think I designed it specifically to be like the chain gunner from Classic Doom. Um I just yeah, he needs a I currently I call him Beefcake. I haven't given him a proper name yet. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. Stick with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, might, I might. I don't know. I might. I'll see. See if I can leave the community to name it. I, I get the community to name stuff sometimes. Uh, like the uh, chain gun with the flamethrower. Um, that was named by. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't remember the name, but somebody on Twitter. Like I just put a thread out and said, "Name, name this gun." And somebody came up with uh, Twin Cindy, which I thought was <laughs> too damn good. So, yeah. So it's. I think because the build you played, it had a lot of the uh, fodder enemies in there still. So you have the shotgunner, the the Uzi thug, and the there was that crazy guy who said looked like um, what was it? The guy with the TV for the face. Yeah, yeah. So he's been in there for quite. A, I think he's one of the oldest enemies. He's been there since early 2019. Um, in Saga, his name is Saga. Yeah, Prince yeah. Robot Four. Hmm. <laughs> so, but um. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm in the post and stuff, so I have a lot of fodder enemies. I just want to, you know, sort of knuckle down and get some more heavier types to try and change up the combat dynamics. Because right now it's like, it's so easy to just feel like a badass and jump around the arena and just own everything. But there isn't really anything right now in the current build that sort of challenges the player quite a bit. So that's sort of the next big thing is to increase the enemy roster and get some more heavies in there and just try and change up the gameplay dynamic yeah i mean it's really cool so far because what you do is (laughs) with the fodder enemies you tend to end up in these sections where they come at you in a straight line and Mm -hmm. like what's the obvious thing i'm gonna break out the chainsaw leg and just (laughs) do one of these and if Mm. i miss anybody i just turn around and right back through yeah those uh those areas are pretty fun to design um yeah there are a few specific like in the uh in the boat map there's like a a ramp that goes down, but you can't actually walk through it. The only way to get through it is to crouch and slide. So and it's like, okay, I'll just stick an enemy at the bottom just so when you reach the bottom, you just slide straight through them. Um, there's also another section I'm quite happy with. Uh, this, it's actually in the gameplay uh, reveal where you take a jump pad up to an elevated platform, and it's such a narrow platform, uh, uh, like a long, narrow platform, and there's a bunch of those... Uh, I call them techno junkies, the guys with the TV faces. They just run straight mm. at you. And it's like, okay, just take the chainsaw through, 
They're not all dead. It's like that scene from uh, it's called Brain Dead here in New Zealand. Uh, I think it's a different name in mm-hmm. the states. It's a Peter Jackson same. movie. Um, I think it has the same name here. Yeah, so it's a scene where he's like running through the horde with a lawnmower, and then he turns around, and they're not all quite dead. So he's like, "Okay, fuck it. I guess I'll just walk back the other way and go run over them again." Um, it's yeah, it's pretty fun. It's like a very rewarding process, I would assume, because just look, the the one level that I had played before is a completely different experience. If it's even the same fucking level, I mean, I could see some architectural things that are kind of still there but Mm. it's come a long way Mm. and you do an excellent job of you know making these levels that are kind of intertwined with themselves like where you can sort of like return or at least cross paths that you've crossed before in order Mm. to get to places and not just in like a you got to open the doorway there is that but in like a oh yeah hey you know i'm looking down and i was i started over there Mm. but now i'm i'm jumping across walls and stuff it's very, uh, I don't know. It feels very much like a real area in, mm-hmm. in certain sections. You know, like this is a, a it, it gives the impression that at least that this is a real place. Mm. Yeah. It's um, a, a tricky balance, especially when you're designing all your levels to look like cities, you have to make it a fun play arena, but at the same time, you can't go too over the top and make it completely abstract. Like some stuff has right. to make sense, but, uh, I make a few concessions. Um, I think the at the bare minimum, I will say, okay, there's this random platform up here that makes no sense. I'll stick a door, an inaccessible door on one side just to look like it's a real place. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it's like cyberpunk where there's a, a million NPCs running around living out their actual lives. Yeah. yeah. Slowly becoming cognizant <laughs> and taking over the world. <laughs> but it, it just it just does an excellent job of like, making you feel like this is an environment that potentially could have at some point been mm. used by someone. Mm. Um, and then you have like, you know, sections that are just like, okay, yeah, this is an arena. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe that arena is a parking garage or, or, you know, a hangar or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's fun trying to come up with that stuff. Um, I got a few pretty cool ones coming up. Like I, you know, I want to do, obviously you got to have a nightclub with neon lights mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, <laughs> what I'm working on right now is like a giant plaza uh, complex, uh, which is like you know a big shopping mall with lots of fancy, arch- you know, fancy marble architecture, which is nice because uh, having white marble as the arena contrasts really nicely with like shitloads of gore being sprayed everywhere. Um, so that that's going to be a fun one to play. I love. I, I can't say this enough. Like the feeling of sliding through. <laughs> five or six enemies with a yeah. chainsaw and just spattering everywhere is <laughs> instinct gib it's the it's going to be the selling point of the it, game it's people, definitely people one love. thing it's the one thing i i knew if i was going to make the shooter i have to just make something that is like just ludicrous amounts of gore like you know the amounts of gore that make totally no sense um, so i, I, I feel like it's where you do it yeah it's it's probably one of the things I've iterated on the most since the beginning. It's just how the goal works. Um, like even now, I still need to go back and do another iteration. It's like, oh, I need I need gore to like drip off the ceiling or have gibs like chunks of enemies like slide down the walls. Um, yeah, I don't feel like it's definitely one of the things I 
really need to nail with this. It's a good challenge to my instincts because, you know, my instinct is like you push Q to kick in the face. Mm. Um, But you can't do that here. So we got to play with it and and figure out different types of ways to move around. I mean, you have the double jump and dash mechanic and everything, um, Mm. which these are not things you have to like buy uploads to or whatever, at least so far. No, um, no, you you start out with those. Uh, The only thing you have to acquire is like the... There's like an ability where you have like missiles in your arm. Um, mm-hmm. and there's a few more abilities coming too, and nothing I can really talk about yet. But there are, you know, there are points throughout the game where you will significantly upgrade, you know, your the way you move through the game. And I think they're gonna, I think there's gonna be a lot of difference between how you start out playing the game and how you move through the arenas. And by the time you reach the end, it's just gonna be completely flipped on its head. Yeah. Hmm. And do you have any other kind of ideas? You, you mentioned nightclub, but like what are some of the tropes that you want to kind of cover? Well, so I got, um, yeah, I got a lot. Of, so there's many, you know, city streets, nightclubs. Um, there's one where it's just a giant tower um, <laughs> where you can go to. So the, the idea is like the central hub of the level. It's like an elevator lobby. And, uh, each key you find is on a separate floor to, so, you know, if you want to reach like the top floor, you need the red key, or if you want to reach the middle floor, you need the blue key. So it's quite, um, yeah, it's probably one of the biggest maps so far. Um, it's just, you know, the scale of how far you go from one point A to point B. Uh, there's another one where it's like rooftops. So you're jumping between buildings, um, which is pretty, pretty ludicrous. Uh, some re- yeah, I can't really talk about it too much because um, I don't want to spoil too many surprises. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely anything like most of the inspirations I get for behind maps and stuff I've seen from movies like RoboCop, Terminator, uh, Blade Runner. Um, yeah, the eighties. Yeah, yeah, lots of uh, yeah, just anything from the eighties or nineties. You gonna slap Civi with a sewer level? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> your way through shit. Yeah, we're definitely having a sewer level. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I if I, I'm definitely putting a civvy Easter egg in here somewhere. But if I do, it has to be in the sewer level. Um, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be weird because like you can't really ever put the player in too many tight spaces, you know? Um, <clears throat> because that's the it, it would just kind of muddle the movement and not be very fun i would think but yeah what well, that's so common to do like sewer and train levels and things like that i i, I don't know hmm yeah i have done a few prototypes of sewer levels i mean mostly what it ends up being is just like uh, massive chasms um so like kind of think like an underworld to the city um but they they you know it leaves a lot of so one of the core one of the things that keep in the back of my mind when I'm designing levels is like, you know, try and sneak in as many ramps as I can. So the worlds feel sort of like a skate park, but in disguise. So, right. you know, cause that makes best use of the, uh, the sliding mechanics, but the good thing of this, you know, the couple of sewer levels I prototyped is there are a lot, a lot, a lot of opportunities to do a lot of slopes. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, we'll we'll see. I I need to. There is definitely a suitable plan, though, but I I'm still not sure. I mean, it's too early to say how we how I'm going to tackle it. Yeah, I mentioned the the skate part thing before. What there's you know a tremendous amount of uh, slopes, not a lot of staircases. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it, everything kind of makes sense accidentally. I mean, I know it's on purpose for you, but like it's like the world was designed for this killing machine mm. or like maybe this killing machine was designed for the world he lives in. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also slopes are easier. Know. Slopes are easier to make than stairwells as well. So, <laughs> but uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> that's uh, it's not the reason it's genius level design is what it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so satisfying. Everything mm-hmm. about it. Uh, the only, literally the only complaint was when I couldn't find that fucking button because it just didn't stand out enough. But I mean, that's like way later on kind of shit to worry about. Oh yeah. That's uh, that level's kind of been, um, it's been rejected quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The bit where you get the red key or the green key is supposed to be yeah. uh, where you acquire like your ability to run across walls. Um, so like when you, yeah, it's still a lot of design to do um, that level was retrofitted for the gameplay trailer and then i kind of lost a lot of the original game design that was in there so i had to go back and clean it up a bit yeah Hmm. it's also quite a quite a bit of like not insanely difficult or anything but platforming stuff i mean the wall running and then you have these uh you know jump pads and Hmm. all that kind of thing and and what it does often is sets you up for like a a weird situation where you're either on a ledge fighting enemies or you're like well above them and you've got to kind of like jump down and plan your attack ahead. Hmm. Um, and that's also really cool. I very much enjoy these opportunities to kind of get an aerial view on a big group of enemies and like, all right, which ones do I want to kill first? Hmm. It's never like a strategic decision either. It's just like a, he looks like he needs to be dead. Jump down. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, that guy. it's definitely something I want to try and aim for is to give the players the opportunity to, you know, not all the time, but most of the time, let them see what they're about to get into. So if they do want to backtrack a bit and find more items, you know, stock up more on health, then they have the opportunity to do that. Um, yeah. Sadly, with the yeah, demo they gave you, it was mostly sort of traps, um, but that, that will be changing in the future. Yeah. Is there a an overarching story at all here? Uh sort of. Um, it's not really in your the way it's told is it's not very uh, in your face. It's mostly told before and after missions with short, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 10, 15 second sequences. Um, but it's yeah, the story's not. I mean, it's not the main. It's not the main thing about it. Um, so it's kind of has, I mean, there is a story, something to tie the levels together, but it's not like a, a big, a big deal in the game. Can you divulge anything at this point? Um, I could a little bit. So basically the premise is, so you have a large corporation, which has been selling uh, sort of replacement body parts to people who live on this planet so people live in a city called neo paradise which is on it's not on earth it's it's another planet um but most of the people that live there are, you know it's like a crime ridden city straight out of robocop 
Um, and then you have this big technology company who's been selling these augmentations to the people who live there. Um, but then what happens one day is this, you know, nasty virus takes over and eventually everybody starts becoming the single hive mind, which is hell bent on just rapid expansion. Um, basically you play in turbo as a contractor who's been sent to clean up, basically clean up the mess for the corporation. But, uh, it sort of starts to get a bit out of control because it turns out you're not the only contractor who's been sent there. There are other people who are also trying to claim this bounty. So there's a few sections where, you know, you may have a bit of interaction between other bounty hunters and it kind of escalates from there. Um, I won't go into it too much because uh, there's still a few details that we're, that we're working out here uh, before we have the full final story. I mean, it's a, it's a similar situation to Turtle Chaos, actually. Uh, the story for that didn't get put in until the last month of uh, <laughs> of the of the time I was working on it. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to say too much because I I do think there is still a bit that might change with the story. Yeah, I know you got a big date to go on, so I don't want to keep you forever. But <laughs> yeah, just thanks for thanks for all the time and uh, working with me on the scheduling stuff because. People who don't know, you know, New Zealand and Arizona are completely different time zones. It's not even the same day. <laughs> so. Hello from the future. Yes. And greetings from the past. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to, to love to do another one of these. Um, hopefully further into the production. Um, we'll yeah. Definitely have a lot more to talk about soon. Um, Hit me up anytime when you're ready. Like when, the, especially when the it, public stuff starts to hit that's what we want to promote the hell out of it so. mm. yeah well so there was that big push uh, last month but uh, I think there's another another big push of more juicy content coming out very soon uh, still no date on the demo um, I would actually I, I can't say anything about a demo at, the, at this stage but um, all I can say is we will see you course we gotta say thank you to sam Wataholic preble for coming on the show again awesome love getting the chance to kind of get this little bit of an early insider scoop if you will on turbo overkill it's gonna change the whole fucking world of boomer shooters i'm so stoked for this game i've been so excited about it for so long and i am just uh absolutely happy to finally be able to talk about it so with that said uh, the music this week is by Gribbasnap, I hope I'm saying his name right, Gribbasnap, who is the composer of the soundtrack to Turbo Overkill. So if you like this, there's plenty more to come later on. Of course, we got to say thank you to our wonderful supporters. So, Paul, Moose, Dots, Alexander, Brad, Red Eyes, Anthony, Robert, Jack, Brandy, Fred, Lord Revan, Tones, Igrat, Simon, Amorpher, Mike Zan, Bridge, Ben, Donkey, Shannon, and the Flam Fam. All amazing people. If you want to be as cool as those people, head on over to inthekeep.com forward slash support. Look for the many ways that you can do so. We got Patreon. We got early episodes for the people who use that. We got exclusive t-shirts that have been mailed out to our wonderful supporters. And we have other merch that you can buy right now on our merch tab. So those are all things you can do if you want to. If not, whatever. Hang in here. 
stay for the wonderful conversations. We just want you to listen to the show. That's what I really care about, to be honest with you. And uh, learn about awesome games like Turbo Overkill. Realms Deep 2021 is right around the corner. And it's going to be fucking badass. But for now, relax. I love you. The Drowned God Katala loves you. And until next time, stay in the keep.